are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, December 13th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It'll only take a quick couple of seconds, and it's all for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcast, etc. It's all for free, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start your week. On tap today, folks, I'll get into the Chicago Blackhawks' devastating 5-4 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night after clawing their way back from a three-goal deficit only to get their hearts broken in the final minutes by a familiar face. And I'll also talk about the Blackhawks game that was originally scheduled for tonight against the Calgary Flames. Now, of course, has been postponed to a later date due to Calgary putting multiple players and a coach into COVID-19 protocol. And then to wrap things up, per usual here to start the week, I'll answer a couple of questions from you, the listeners, as part of our Mailbag Monday fan segment. All right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. All right, to start things out today, folks, let's get into that game on Saturday night north of the border. The Blackhawks up in Toronto taking on the Maple Leafs. First, as expected, Kevin Lankinen did, in fact, get the start in goal, which Derek King uh, promptly announced following Marc-Andre Fleury's 500th win of his career up in Montreal on Thursday. So uh, no surprises there. We already knew that. Lank was going to get the nod against one of the top teams in the entire NHL this season in the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, I think we all knew that that was going to be a, a pretty tough task for him. Um, not getting a whole lot of starts and then going into a hostile place like Toronto uh, to take on a really good Maple Leafs team. As for the rest of the lineup, um, real quick, Caleb Jones was out on defense one again, once again, even though he seems to be fully back from that non-COVID-related illness that he has been dealing with the past week or so. Um, but it seems like he could be now in that seventh defenseman role for the Blackhawks with all the guys on the back end finally healthy. K uh, Jake McCabe's back, obviously. He just had his second child last weekend. Connor Murphy's back from that head injury. Riley Stillman's fully healthy from that knee injury. So it's going to be tough for... Caleb to find his way into the lineup, especially if guys like Eric Gustafson and, and Riley Stillman continue um, continue to play well. And then the, the last change to the Blackhawks lineup um, was Henrik Borgstrom was not able to play in Saturday's game due to a non-COVID-related illness. Seems like um, that could have been passed along from Caleb Jones to teammate Henrik Borgstrom potentially. Uh, and that's tough for Borgstrom because he was playing in that top-line role with Alex Debrinkit and Patrick Kane uh, in that 2-0 win against Montreal 
on Thursday. That was Borgstrom's first appearance in a top-line role this season, and then after only one game there, he's forced to miss the next one due to an illness. So tough break there for Borgstrom. Uh, and with him out of the lineup, Kirby Doc was the one to jump back up into that top-line role between Cat and Kaner. Uh, while Dylan Strom did, in fact, join the lineup, uh, rejoin the lineup, I should say, uh, after a controversial healthy scratch up in Montreal. So it was good to see Stromer hop right back into the lineup on that third line with Dominic Kubalik and, full, uh, and Philip Kurashev. Um, although I will say, if Henrik Borgstrom did not come down with, a, with an illness, I'm not so sure that Stromer would have been back in there because, uh, as I talked about on the show late last week, something that Derek King has done so far this season after a win is he has gone with the same same lineup a couple of times. So um, not sure if uh, that was a choice by King to have Strom back in the lineup, if he was going to have him in there regardless, or if he only got back in because of the absence of Henrik Borgstrom. But those were the lineup changes for the Blackhawks heading into Saturday night's game against the Maple Leafs. As I said, one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference right now. But they have lost three of their last four coming into that game. So um, definitely a a beatable opponent for the Blackhawks if they played a a strong game and put together a complete 60-minute effort. And right out of the gate, they got off to a blazing start as Captain Jonathan Taze possibly has opened the floodgates for himself, folks, after scoring the game winner on Thursday in Montreal. Less than two minutes into Saturday's game against the Leafs, Taves snaps one home on a two-on-one for his second goal in as many games now. A huge goal for Johnny, and just like that, the Blackhawks jumped ahead one to nothing on the back of their captain. Also, got to give some credit, uh, a nifty little play by Reese Johnson to bump that puck up to Johnny in transition, <clears throat> which led to... Uh, the two-on-one for Taze, he finds the back of the net, and that one had to feel good for the captain to prove to himself, you know, hey, I can get this thing going here. I just had to get one, and now I'm starting to feel like my old self, and I and I uh, am capable of doing big things for this team. So hopefully this is the start of a nice little run that Taze is about to go on after getting snake-bitten time after time in the first quarter of the season. But after that goal from Taze, the rest of the first period, folks, belonged to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And a big reason for that was because the Blackhawks just couldn't, I mean, they were shooting themselves in the foot time after time and just could not stay out of the damn penalty box. Shortly after um, picking up that primary assist, Reese Johnson took a penalty and uh, John Tavares cashed in for a power play goal just about 30 seconds into that man advantage. So two and a half minutes into the game, uh, a minute after Jonathan Taze's goal, there goes the Blackhawks' lead, tied 1-1, to just like that. Uh, and it was a bad goal to allow there from Lankinen, I will say. He was squared up to Tavares. No one really was in front of him. He got <clears throat> a complete look at it. Um, but that's kind of aside from the point. That lead was gone because of that penalty. Uh, and then not too long after that, William Nylander, a.k.a. the wrong Nylander, uh, gave Toronto their first lead of the night, putting them ahead 2-1. to one. Another great play by John Tavares. He wins a foot race into uh, the Blackhawks zone. And then Kirby Doc, I don't know what the kid was doing here, gets caught napping on defense right in front of his netminder. Nylander gets in po- inside position. 
he was left wide open all in front of the net. Great pass again by Tavares. That made it 2-1 to Leafs. So a couple of breakdowns there by the Blackhawks um, made Jonathan Taze's goal all for naught. Uh, and then after that, back-to-back penalties from Riley Stillman. Literally like 20 to 30 seconds right after he jumped out of the box the first time. He gets called for uh, tripping Alexander Kerfoot, I believe it was. And this time, the Leafs went on to make him pay his... Austin Matthews stuffed home a rebound in front. Bang. Just like that. Even after a first, uh, a strong first minute or two from the Hawks, they find themselves down 3-1 to one in the first period. And it was, it was uh, again, it was just, just like something that's cost them a bunch this season. They just have these little blips where they can't help but shoot themselves in the foot and, and completely forget how to, how to play hockey and it cost them in a big way here because uh they they found themselves down two goals after 20 minutes despite playing pretty good at even strength but when you give a dangerous team like Toronto those opportunities you know um they're gonna make you pay for them eventually and after 20 minutes even though the Blackhawks as I said played good at five on five this one just kind of felt like uh a route could have been on its way. I was kind of getting those feelings early on with all the penalties the Blackhawks were taking. Also, Kevin Lankinen wasn't looking too sharp in net. Um, it wasn't a pretty start. And then just a couple of minutes into the second period, Pierre Engvall walks right around the net, right to the front, beats Lankinen with a shot short side. That extends Toronto's lead to 4-1. to one, And I was like, oh boy, here we go. This is going to be a long Saturday night. That's when I kind of had all the life sucked out of me because the, the Blackhawks, they were just doing all the little things wrong. Again, they were taking penalties. Uh, they were having some flashes of poor defense, just like on this goal from Engvall. Hegel and Johnson didn't really give Murphy any support there when he was tied up in front. Engvall walks around the net. No one really greets him when he pulls up. Um, and... and you know, Lankinen's got Murphy and a Leafs forward right in his grill. No one goes to pressure Engvall to get that shot off. And uh, I know it's probably, again, not a, a great goal for Lankinen to allow, but he really didn't get any help there. So um, Engvall gets him off the post, beats him short side. Blackhawks down 4-1 to one early in the second period. And considering how the offense has struggled all season long, I mean... Only twice have they scored four goals or more in regulation through their first 26 games. Uh, so knowing that, I, I really was not all that confident that they were going to find a way to be able to, cl- to claw themselves back into this thing and, uh, you know, knot this thing up at four or five apiece. But impressively, against all odds, on the road in Toronto, going up against, as I've talked about, one of the top teams in all of hockey and I know that they have a couple of key guys out of their lineup. No Mitch Marner, no Jason Spezza. Uh, they're missing some players, but still, I mean, for the Blackhawks to fight the way they did in those final 30 minutes, it was really impressive without a doubt. Uh, and really, after that fourth goal by Toronto, the Blackhawks like completely took over in that second period. They had plenty of scoring opportunities, just weren't able to find a way to beat Peter Mrazek. Uh, eventually, Connor Murphy was the one to finally cut into that 4-1 to deficit late in the second period, a shot from the point. Uh, after, by the way, some great work 
by Brandon Hagel to grind along the boards, win a puck battle. Uh, he kicks it back to Murphy at the point. He just flicks one on net, and uh, a great screen by Dominic Kubelik in front completely took the eyesight away from Morazic, and that made the score 4-2 to two heading into the second intermission. And uh, going back and, and looking looking at the second the numbers in the second period that the Blackhawks put up some really strong um, some really strong numbers and analytics here. They outshot Toronto fourteen to three in the second period, and they also led eleven to five in scoring chances at even strength, as well as three to one in five on five high danger chances. So a, a really dominant period overall by the Blackhawks. Unfortunately. They just weren't able to get the puck by Morazic more than once. And to make it all the more frustrating, this was Peter Morazic's first start in net for the Leafs since the end of October. He had missed the previous, uh, I forget if it was 18 or 19 games, but he had missed well over a month due to a groin injury. And in his first game in two months, of course, he's stymieing the Blackhawks left and right after they're putting together, you know, one of their better periods here under Derek King. Um... But they did find a way to make it 4-2 to two by the end of the second. And in the third, right from that opening puck drop, the Blackhawks, they picked up right where they left off in the second. And a great hustle play just a couple of minutes in by Philip Kurashev going coast-to-coast to, coast to win a, a foot race on a loose puck after uh, McKay banked it out of the defensive zone. Philip Kurashev out-hustles. Uh, a Leafs defender, I believe it was Rubens. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. And uh, bumps the puck over to Dominic Kubelik, who's all alone in front of the net. He beats Mrazek with the shot for his fifth goal of the season. And believe it or not, his first at five on five, 27 games in, it took Dominic, Dominic Kubelik to score his first even strength goal of the season. Pretty hard to believe that. But man, it... it Really couldn't have come at a bigger time. Cutting the Leafs' lead to 4-3 to three, less than two minutes into the third period. And it was like, all right, we got some life here. You know, the boys are actually, it, you know, even in, in periods where they do lead analytically, most of the time they're not dominant. And if it is, it's against a team like, um, you know, the Ottawa Senators or the Mo- Montreal Canadiens, you know. But to beat the Maple Leafs, as bad as they did in, in the second period with the analytics, I know they only uh, they tied technically on the scoreboard one to one in the second, but to control the the play the way they did against a really good Maple Leafs team, that was very impressive to me. And then they were able to you know pick up right where they left off in those final uh, twenty minutes and a well deserved goal there for Dominic Kubelik because he'd been really strong not only throughout the entire contest prior to that goal. But these past couple of games, he's been getting his chances. Um, And he also provided a great screen on Connor Murphy's goal late in the second period. So good to see Kubelik get rewarded early on in the third period. But it wouldn't have happened had it not been for the great hustle by Philip Kurashev. I mean, a phenomenal A-plus effort type of play. And those are the type of plays that we know he can make with his speed. I mean, Kurashev is a gifted young player, and, and we've been waiting to see those type of plays all season long now. Um, but a big one there, and again, those are the type of plays we know he's capable of making at the NHL level. He just has to do it more consistently. And I think playing on a third line uh, with Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubelik is the right spot for him to be in where he gets to uh, get some 
more ice time than he has been for the most part this season and also gets to play in an offensive-minded role, which which more suits his game. Uh, but a big play there from Philip Kurashev to cut the Blackhawks' deficit to one early on in the third period. And then after a couple of more chances, a few minutes later, right right around uh, the midway point of the period, Jake McCabe, kind of like Connor Murphy, just flips an innocent-looking shot on goal from the point, something that I think the Blackhawks, hopefully after this one, they'll learn from and be like, oh yeah, I mean, we can score these kind of gross-looking goals if we just get to the right areas. McCabe just kind of floats the puck on net. Uh, great net front presence by both Jonathan Taze and Brandon Hagel. They take away the eyes of Peter Morazic. That one finds its way through just like that. The Blackhawks had fought all the way back and tied the game 4-4. Four to four incredible. And as I talked about earlier, just the third time this season through 27 games that the Blackhawks had picked up four goals in in regulation. A comeback that I don't think many people saw coming, especially up against uh, a top 10 defensive team in the entire NHL. That made it all the more impressive than it already was. But sadly, the Blackhawks' hearts were about to be broken. All that hard work wound up being for naught as former Blackhawk David Kampf, who I literally thought about betting on to score an anytime goal before this game. I literally had it in my bet slip, and I was like, you know what? I, I can't bet on David Kampf to score a goal. And my worst nightmare came true. David Kampf winds up being the beneficiary of just a crazy bounce off a dumping by the Leafs. Lankinen gets caught out of his net, to be fair. The rule is whenever the puck hits the glass, goaltender, you should stay in your net. Lankinen didn't, and it came back to bite him in the butt. Puck bounces right to David Kampf in the center of the ice. He backhands it into the open net, and that gives Toronto a 5-4 to four lead with just under a minute and a half remaining in the third period. An absolute heartbreaker for the Blackhawks. And for it to happen the way it did, I mean, just a freaky bounce off the glass. For it to not even be like a mistake of their own or a bad play by someone, that almost makes it a tougher pill to swallow, in my opinion. And I was just, I just buried my head in a pillow after I saw that. When I saw it was David Kampf, I'm like, you're absolutely kidding. I was so frustrated watching that go in. And I knew it was going to wind up being the game winner. I, I knew that the Blackhawks, they had already put up the fight that they, all the fight they could. And such a strong fight it was. I mean, they played desperate. They played with a sense of urgency. And I thought they really took it to Toronto in the second half of this game. Like, the Blackhawks were the better team in the second half. But the penalties and... The lack of discipline early on really came back to bite them more than this goal from David Kampf did because um, you take away that first period, and I think the Blackhawks, if if they got if they started the way they did in the second, they're they're going on to win this one in Toronto. I fully believe that, but they just ran out of time and had a heartbreaking bounce, and they're just not a team that's you know meant for this type of shootout style. That's how they were playing under Jeremy Colleton and. Look what that got him. A 1-9-2 start through 12 games, and Jeremy Colleton's no longer the coach. So, it was tough. I mean, 
They should have won that game, my opinion, but at the same time, they took costly penalties early on, and against a dangerous team like Toronto, you can't be doing those things, especially on the road, so... Ugh. A hair-pulling type loss from the Blackhawks on Saturday night. 5-4 to four wound up being the final, and the Hawks dropped down to 10-15-2 after that heartbreaker against the Leafs up in Toronto. One where the Blackhawks should have come away with at least one point. Really was thinking they were going to at least take that one to overtime uh, and really could have used a big-time win. It would have bumped their record up to 11-14-2, but instead, Kampf... Sticks the dagger into all of those thoughts, and the Blackhawks head back to Chicago with a 10-15-2 record on the season. All right, there are some quick thoughts on the Blackhawks' devastating 5-4 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. Coming up in just a moment, I am going to talk a little bit about the Hawks' latest roster moves, as well as tonight's game against Calgary being postponed. But first, I need to talk to you all about DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more right now at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Moving on into segment two today, I also wanted to be sure first to talk about all the latest roster moves that the Blackhawks made on Sunday afternoon. A lot of roster moves have been made here recently. It it just kind of seems like um, each and every game right now, either someone winds up getting hurt or another player is out with a a non-COVID-related illness or something along those lines. So, um... Lots of moves have been made here recently, and apparently, in Saturday game in Saturday's game against Toronto, uh, Reese Johnson actually broke his clavicle somewhere along the way, and Johnson was officially placed on injured reserve by the Blackhawks yesterday, and uh, is now going to go under some further evaluations at some point in the next couple of days to kind of get a get a better estimate of how long he's going to be out of the lineup for, but. A tough blow for Johnson. Um, he, he was just starting to get an opportunity on the Blackhawks' second line, along with Brandon Hagel and Jonathan Taze. Had a nice primary assist on uh, Taze's goal to open the scoring. And, and he had been playing, you know, decently well for the most part in the past couple of weeks after really not offering a whole much to this lineup aside from his physicality in the early going. Um he he really has picked up his play, I got to admit, and certainly has improved on the offensive side of things as well. Um, but now, looks like Johnson is um, potentially facing a lengthy absence here for the Blackhawks. And with that being the case, uh, that's what led to the Hawks making their latest couple of roster changes yesterday. First, also, forward Mike Hardman was sent down to the Rockford Ice Hogs of the AHL. Just... 
Not a whole lot going right for Hardman so far in his first full-time season as a professional. Hasn't been able to muster up much offensively. Uh, He's usually right at the team low of ice time each and every game, Um, so not getting too much of an opportunity. And I don't know if he's really meshed with Derek King and this new coaching staff all that well as he was with Jeremy Colleton. Um, But with Johnson getting placed on IR and Hardman getting uh, reassigned to Rockford, that left the Blackhawks with two available forward spots on their active roster, and they decided to recall Mackenzie Entwistle as well as Brett Connolly, who is uh, someone I really wasn't sure would get another opportunity here up with the Blackhawks. But after getting off to a, a really strong start on that top line with Rockford, he had been playing well with Lucas Reichel, tallied 11 points in 16 games down with the Ice Hogs. That was good for second on the team, only behind Reichel. Um, and with that strong play in Rockford, as well as, you know, obviously the Blackhawks needing some more scoring from their depth players, uh, that combination led to this recall here of Connolly and. Honestly, I mean, considering what the Blackhawks need at this moment, it makes a whole lot of sense for them not to recall, you know, a young player who they're going to be worried about if he's either playing on the fourth line or not getting in the lineup on a nightly basis with Connolly. You know, they don't really care if they have to scratch him or if he's playing six or seven minutes a game, you know, at 29 years old, they're not really worried about hurting his development. He kind of is what he is at this point. Um... But I'm really happy for Connolly here because uh, when he was talking with the media today, he just seemed like he was so grateful for this opportunity to be back up at the NHL level. And um, he seemed like he was, you know, went down to Rockford with a purpose to try and get another crack here, either with the Blackhawks or, or with another NHL club. And now that he's kind of returned from that minor injury that he's dealt with for the past couple of weeks, he will indeed get that opportunity. So, uh, I'm really happy here for Connolly. Uh, and I, I actually, you know, he does seem like a perfect fit for what the Blackhawks need. Someone who's got some size to him, uh, can provide a little bit of offense. He has in the past in the bottom six, that's always been his bread and butter. Someone who can score some goals without getting, you know, huge opportunities in the top two lines. Uh, and being a veteran player who's won a Stanley cup, he can be a leader, I really think this is going to be a good opportunity for Brett Connolly, and I think he could wind up making the most of it because, you know, again, being a veteran player and just hearing the way that he talked with the media, I think he 100% knows that he has to bring it each and every game he gets into the lineup. Like, he fully gets that this could be make or break for his career. I I know he um, is confident in himself, and he even said, you know, he probably didn't really think he belonged in the AHL. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, it's all about proving that. And he's going to get his chance to prove it here to the Blackhawks organization. Uh, A shocking one, though. I really didn't think they were going to call up Brett Connolly again. Um, But after putting up some good numbers, I mean, he's been on a mission down in Rockford. Get back up to the NHL and never head back. Uh, And and he's going to get his chance to show the Blackhawks that. And that's the kind of fire, you know, I think not only Connolly could use, obviously, but that's, I think, something that the Blackhawks could really benefit from in their bottom couple of forward lines right now. So uh, I'm excited for the addition of Brett Connolly. I know he's super excited as well. Um, And then along with Connolly, obviously, Mackenzie Enwistle 
is already on his way back up to the NHL. Just, I think it was about a week ago now, Entwistle was activated off long-term injured reserve and reassigned to the Rockford Icehawks following uh, that ankle injury that forced him to miss a month. But after only two games down in Rockford, he's, he's already back up with the Hawks. Last played for them on November 7th versus Nashville. That's when the injury occurred. So uh, we'll see how this second stint up in the NHL this season will go for Entwistle. And I'm really interested to see um, whether or not, you know, they're going to be scratching Entwistle. They're going to be scratching Connolly. How they're going to be going about that now uh, with Reese Johnson out of the lineup and, and Hardman down in the A. Because I think they're going to want to be playing Khrushchev and, you know, Derek King. Not sure what's going to happen with Dylan Strom. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, Kinger is going to handle this forward group now with a couple of new faces. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting. A couple of changes to the forward group here for the Blackhawks now without Hardman and Johnson. Uh, and it really looked like Entwistle and Connolly could have been rejoining the Blackhawks lineup tonight against the Calgary Flames. But of course... Right before I go and record this episode for the first time this morning, the NHL officially postponed the game due to several players and a member of the Flames coaching staff all getting placed in COVID-19 protocol. And COVID is, I mean, just rocking Chicago sports right now, folks. The Bulls have had their next two games canceled after, uh, I think it's 10 players of theirs, I believe, currently being in COVID protocol. And now the Blackhawks have their game tonight at the United Center versus the Calgary Flames scrapped. Which, yeah, I'm no big deal. It's not like I purchased tickets or anything. Not like I really wanted to go see uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's 500th win celebration. No big deal. You know, I got better things to do on my Monday night. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Calgary. Six players the Flames placed in COVID protocol this morning, by the way, were uh, Elias Lindholm, Andrew Mangiapane, Brad Richardson... Chris Tanev, Adam Ruzika, and former Blackhawk Nikita Zadorov. Obviously, you know, I don't mean to not be serious about this. I really do hope everyone's feeling all right in Calgary and, you know, that no one is um, being seriously affected from this outbreak. And apparently it got so bad they didn't even make the flight to Chicago. So, um, I don't know. It's been a mess in the NHL right now lately, there's been a bunch of outbreaks, and who knows what's going to happen with the Olympics at this point, folks. But yeah, I'm, it's tough. I, w- I was really looking forward to getting back to the UC tonight and, and watching Fleury's 500th win celebration. But no, now it's going to be on Wednesday against Washington, and I'm probably going to have to go buy tickets for that and go drop more money. Great. It's a whole mess. Messed up the episode this morning. Had a whole plan for the episode. Literally, I wake up, go to the bathroom, about to go record, look at my phone. Oh, game's been canceled. Just kidding. Ha <laughs> ha. Ugh, messed up my entire plans for the night. Not a lot of fun. But yeah, this game uh, officially is going to be played at a later date sometime in the season at the moment. Not exactly sure when that is going to be, but we do know it officially will not be taking place tonight. Uh, and the Blackhawks will next be back in action to take on the Washington Capitals for the second and final time this season. Second matchup between those teams in a couple of weeks. That occurs on Wednesday night at the United Center. All right, there are the latest updates on the Blackhawks roster moves and tonight's game versus Calgary getting postponed. 
Coming up in just a minute, it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. But first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season on more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It's football season in the NFL and the NCAA march towards the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head on over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our exclusive promo code LOCKDOWN, one word in all caps, to receive your bonus. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. I also need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. This holiday season, grab a protein bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decayed in flavor, and also covered in 100% chocolate, but also amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. Right now, you can get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. In so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you go with raspberry or mint brownie? Cherry or double chocolate? Cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Bill Bar gives you that extra fuel that you need to bust down those small doors and battle all the holiday shop- shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Bill Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. Do you like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays? Well, then you need to get your hands on Bill Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in 100% chocolate. They just sent me a package of these, folks. They taste so good. They really are nougat They kind of taste like a Three Musketeers bar, honestly. So, uh, and you really won't believe that they're filled with protein. For a limited time offer, you can also go to BuiltBar.com. You can use the promo code LOCK15. Locked 15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's BuiltBar.com with the promo code LOCKED15, one word, LOCKED, in all caps, on the number 15, to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, getting into segment three today. It's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. The first question I want to answer today comes from at abrandoned, at xabrandon on Twitter, or Brandon Gravel. Uh, Brandon asked, do you think once Reichel is healthy enough, the Hawks should call him up hoping to spark the offense a little, or maybe even Nylander? Uh, yeah, um, I, I think eventually Lucas Reichel is going to get called up by the Blackhawks at some point in 2022. I don't think it's going to happen here in December. Um, but I, I really don't think they're in any rush. They've kind of talked about how they're going to let things pan out. And especially after this injury, I don't think they're going to be in any sort of a rush at all. And considering they weren't in the first place, you know, that probably doesn't help. So I don't think Reichel's coming up anytime soon, if I had to guess. Um, I mean, it really does depend on how the season goes. I do think he could help this team. 
I think the kid's got enough talent. I don't know if he's going to be a consistent point producer if you just throw him right up in the NHL right now. But I do think he has the overall skill set to help this team. So um, if they're on the cusp come February and they're needing some scoring, you know, after the Olympics, I think could be a good time to get Lucas Reichel up at the NHL. But uh, we're going to see what happens. Don't expect that to be anytime soon. And Alex Nylander, honestly, is kind of in a similar boat because the biggest thing is I think they want him consistently playing in a, a top six role and getting time on the power play and at the NHL level with the Blackhawks, he's not going to get that. Let's be honest. I mean, he might get some looks on the second power play unit, but they get what? Usually 20 to 30 seconds per man advantage that the Blackhawks get. It's usually that top top man advantage that's got it going. I know the Hawks are rolling through a couple different looks on the power play right now, but I couldn't imagine even at that point that Alex Nylander would have too much of a role. So I think they like him playing in Rockford, playing those type of offensive minutes. Um, And if he can continue to produce there throughout the course of the season, then maybe later on in the year they give him a call up, uh, especially if they'll continue to, if they're going to be needing offense, if it's going to continue to be a struggle for them to score goals. uh, I think that could entice them a little bit more to call up Alex Nylander, but they're only going to do it if they know he's going to play. You know, I talked about this a little bit earlier with uh, why they called up Brett Connolly because they don't care if they're going to scratch him or if he's going to be playing seven, eight, nine minutes down on the fourth line. You know, they're not worried about that. But if Alex Nylander's doing that, that's probably not the best thing for his development. That's not going to really help his game all that much. So I think the opportunity has to be right for both Alex Nylander and Lucas Reichel. And considering what the Blackhawks have, kind of a log jam at forward, even, you know, when a guy like Reese Johnson is injured, they just sent Mike Hardman down. They still got 14 guys on their active roster up at forward. So there's not a whole lot of opportunities there right now. And until there are, I'm not so sure that they're in any sort of rush to be calling uh, Alex Nylander or especially a young player that's only 19 years old in Lucas Reichel. The second question I got that I'm going to answer today on the show comes from at Rafael Manasis, longtime listener. Rafael, always appreciate the support and the weekly questions. Uh, this time around, Rafael asked, I like so much to have Connolly and Entwistle back. BC seems to fit perfectly with 38 and 19. And Mackenzie Entwistle on the fourth line, where do you see them? Yeah, it's tough. As I just mentioned, not a whole lot of opportunities up front for the Blackhawks right now. So, in their meshing lines, Derek King's been hitting the blender lately, so that doesn't make it all that more easier to guess how they're going to go about things. But, all right, you got to imagine with the way that things are going right now, uh, what they rolled with in practice this morning. They still did hold the practice of their own at the United Center. Um, But the top line was. Alex Dabrinkit, Dylan Strome, and Patrick Kane. And I honestly imagine that probably is going to be the top line on Wednesday if Henrik Borgstrom is going to be able to go. He was not on the ice for practice this morning. So that's obviously something to keep an eye on as well. Um, but actually, Mackenzie Entwistle was the one to be skating with Brandon Hagel and Jonathan Taze this afternoon, not Brett Connolly. Connolly was down on the fourth line with Slavin and Carpenter. So... Yeah, that is kind of interesting. I do think Connolly would be a good right wing 
that provides some size, good net front presence there with Taysen Hagel on the second line. I honestly am right there with you, Raphael. I would probably flip those two um, because I really do like the line of Kubalik, Doc, and Kershev. I think that's a pretty good third line. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Borgstrom comes back. Um, obviously, there's the addition of Curtis Gabriel as well. They they kind of are probably going to give him an opportunity at some point here. They wouldn't have sent him immediately to Toronto if that wasn't the case. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe that that second line with uh, Hagel and Taze could be a good spot for Brett Connolly and Mackenzie Entwistle with Slavin and Carpenter on the fourth. I think that makes a whole lot of sense as well. So um, we'll see. Derek King's been hitting the blender a bunch lately, so I have no idea what the <laughs> what the lines are going to be come Wednesday against Washington. Um, again, we're going to have to wait and see what happens with Henrik Borgstrom. But yeah, it's it's going to be. There's going to be some tough decisions that need to be made by Derek King because two of those guys um, are going to be held out of the lineup, and I'm not sure who they're going to be at this point. We've seen Dylan Strom hop out when uh, they're not going to give him a top six opportunity. They'd rather have him out of the lineup than in there at all, which is certainly questionable. Um, But that could give opportunities to guys like Gabriel and um, Brett Connolly. So we're going to have to see what happens. I'm very excited to get down to practice at Fifth Third Arena tomorrow morning and and see uh, what Derek King decides to do in their final practice before they take on the Washington Capitals for the second time in the past couple of weeks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Monday, December 13th's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to also go and check out the Locked On Bets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by just simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Bets right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Talkin' Hockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.